0: This is Talking Urology. Welcome to a Talking Urology conference highlight from ANZUP 2019 in Brisbane, proudly supported by an educational grant from Ipsen. In this ANZUP conference highlight, Andrew Weickart chats with Australia's very own Ian Davis about ANZUP's successful, world-leading Phase 3 study, Enzimet, which was presented by Ian and Chris Sweeney at ASCO in June this year. Ian outlines Enzemet for men with newly diagnosed metastatic hormone-naive prostate cancer and how it differs from the other trials involving second-line antiandrogens in this space. Most interestingly, this was the first study in these men to combine second-line antiandrogens with upfront docetaxel. Ian also discusses how you might decide between the myriad treatment options that have now shown effect in the upfront hormone-naive metastatic setting.
1: I'm Andrew Wyckart, medical oncologist, and I'm here with the chair of ANZUP, Ian Davis, to discuss the exciting recent study led by ANZUP, Enzimet. Thanks for joining us, Ian.
2: Thanks, Andrew. Great to be here.
1: So, can you summarise Enzimet and the main takeaway points that we need to know about?
2: Yeah, it's been an exciting year. So, here we are in July 2019 at the ANZUP annual scientific meeting. And most of our activity this year at ANZUP has actually been sort of overshadowed by the success that we've had with the Enzomet clinical trial. So put briefly, Enzomet was a clinical trial involving men with metastatic hormone-sensitive prostate cancer. So men whose prostate cancer has spread, but they've not yet had hormonal therapy for this cancer. And the standard of care in this situation is to use testosterone suppression with or without a standard anti-androgen drug added to that. We asked the question whether addition of another drug, enzalutamide, in this situation might actually improve outcomes for these men. We know that enzalutamide is valuable much later in the disease course when men have castrate resistant prostate cancer, but this study was about bringing it earlier as we have done with other medications like docetaxel chemotherapy to see if we could improve overall survival and there are a range of other endpoints as well.
1: So what were the main findings of the study that led to so much press and coverage recently?
2: So we completed recruitment to this study in March 2017 and put on over 1,100 patients across Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, UK, Canada and the United States. And there was a lot of interest in the outcomes of the clinical trial. So basically uh, at, at our first interim analysis, which took place in March of 2019, this is a planned interim analysis, we found a strong signal in favour of the intervention groups. So, men who were allocated to the enzalutamide arm had a 33% improved chance of survival compared to those on the control arm. That translated at the three-year mark to a difference in survival of 72%, going up to 80% if you're on the enzalutamide arm. There's a few other areas of interest in this study as well. There have been some other clinical trials recently in a similar sort of situation. The ARCHES clinical trial, which also involved enzalutamide, but used a different endpoint. And the Titan clinical trial, which used a similar drug called apalutamide. And there are a few distinguishing points between Enzimet and these other clinical trials. One is that our control arm involved a standard antiandrogen, which is not the case in those other clinical trials. And the second point, and this is probably the main area of interest in the discussions, was that about 45% of patients on Enzimet also receive concurrent docetaxel chemotherapy, which is really the standard of care these days for men who are fit enough to receive it in, in the right sort of situation. And so what we've found, as I said, is that enzalutamide improves outcomes for these men. There was intense interest about whether addition of enzalutamide on top of docetaxel and testosterone suppression would result in even further improvement because that was kind of the expectation and made biological sense. And what we found, I think, came as a surprise to many people, particularly in the United States, where the information was presented at the ASCO conference this year. We found that if you had already made a decision to treat this man with docetaxel, then addition of enzalutamide did not give us any further detectable improvement in survival. And it was associated with additional side effects as well. Now, there were some suggestions of activity, so we looked at other measures such as how long it took for the PSA to start rising again or other measures of clinical progression. And in that situation, there was a clear indication that addition of enzalutamide to docetaxel plus testosterone suppression gave us further benefit, but that has not yet translated into a survival benefit. So the clear message out of all of this was enzalutamide is now another option in this setting, in parts of the world where it's available, and that's not the case yet in Australia. And secondly, that we should not just get ahead of the evidence and assume that combining everything together is going to be any better, because it might not be any better. We might actually be doing a disservice to some of our patients by worsening their side effects.
1: Can I ask you that point about the combination of docetaxel and enzalutamide and the lack of overall survival seen in that presentation that was given at ASCO and in the publication. Is it possible to say that there will not ever be an overall survival difference or is it too premature to know whether the curves separate?
2: So we've been a victim of our success here in some ways. So this is our first interim analysis. This is after half of the survival events had happened that we had initially planned. And so it's early. Our median follow-up is 34 months. That's longer than the other studies, but it's still relatively short. And there are a lot of men on this clinical trial who continue on treatment who are doing very well. Over 60% of men on the enzalutamide arm continue on that treatment. That means that there's been no reason to stop. They haven't had any clinical progression yet that's resulted in a decision to take them off. So it's still early days and the men who have relapsed and died on the clinical trial were the ones who are most likely to do worse obviously because that's what's happened in a relatively short period of time. So there's another group of men with very responsive disease and we haven't seen the readout from those men yet. So it is still possible that this benefit that we're seeing in progression-free survival might eventually translate into an overall survival benefit as well but we'd have to see if that's going to offset the additional toxicity that we're seeing.
1: So talking about toxicity and side effects, what does a clinician need to know about enzalutamide when it's used in the hormone sensitive setting rather than the castrate resistant setting? Is there a difference and what was seen in the trial? Really
2: overall, we didn't see any unexpected side effects with the use of enzalutamide added to testosterone suppression. It's a drug that's been around for a long time. We're very familiar with it in the castrate resistance setting. Very similar safety signal in this clinical trial. What we did see was that when it was combined with docetaxel, we saw worsening of the toxicities associated with enzalutamide but also the worsening of some of the docetaxel toxicities and there's no clear explanation for that at this point.
1: So in talking about the side effects there is some data about fatigue and seizures were they out of keeping with what's seen in the castrate setting or is it about the same frequency?
2: Probably about the same setting we can't do a head-to-head comparison yeah. obviously different, compar- different populations but we do know that fatigue is a very important side effect it's often underreported in clinical trials which report grade three fatigue which is very severe and often don't report grade 2 fatigue which to the patients is also quite severe. So we did report that and I think that's an important outcome from this. Seizures happen rarely with enzalutamide, about 1%. We didn't see any increase in the incidence of seizures.
1: So in evaluating how to incorporate this sort of data into our clinical practice... One thing that is important these days is the patient's perspective and collecting quality of life data. Has that been published yet?
2: No, it hasn't been and that's our next big job. So we're actually just doing the analysis pretty much as we speak now and we're planning to present that information later this year but that information's not available yet.
1: So since the publication, there's been a lot of discussion in different forums about the trial and its implications for clinical practice. What are some of the ways that you've seen the trial misinterpreted
2: I think one of the common questions we've asked is not quite what you're asking me, but probably one of the common questions we've asked is, okay, what are you going to choose now? We've got enzalutamide, we've got apalutamide, abiraterone, docetaxel itself, maybe testosterone suppression by itself. And I think a lot of people came to us saying, oh, you're going to show some sort of superiority over these other treatments, which we're never going to be able to do. So one question was, which one would you choose and, and which one is going to be the best? And I don't think there's a right answer to that. But I also think that there's no wrong answer. And I think there's really been a fear of missing out from some people. So a man who might have a recommendation from his doctor that he should have docetaxel for various clinical reasons should not feel that he's going to be undertreated. He's going to get an effective treatment. And we've got no reason to think that that's going to be any better or worse than any of the other available treatments. So there's no wrong answers here. There are several
1: options. So in the Australian healthcare setting, we don't have access to enzalutamide. In the US, there's a different equation, of course. Can I, if the enzalutamide was reimbursed, look at Enzimet and say for patients who don't want to have chemotherapy and prefer to do better than standard ADT, if they're given enzalutamide, they'll have an equivalent outcome to men who receive docetaxel to spare them the side effects of chemotherapy? Is there any way to compare those two outcomes in enzyme? I guess we can
2: say in our control arm who did receive docetaxel, that performed similarly to other clinical trials like CHARTED, where docetaxel was the experimental arm. So we know that enzalutamide compared to ADT alone, testosterone suppression alone, is superior. We don't have that sort of direct comparison there. So I think there'll be patient-specific reasons why you might choose one agent over another. If there are financial constraints, a short course of very cheap dose of taxol might be a very good option. If you have cardiac failure or diabetes, abiraterone and prednisolone might not be the best option. If you've got cognitive impairment or a seizure risk, endolutamide would not be the best option. So it's really going to come down to what's available and the uh, patient's preferences and their own situation.
1: Taking another look at the trial, what proportion of men in the standard of care arm switched over to receive enzalutamide at the time of progression and I'm talking about the percentage of men that had progressed when you'd perform the interim analysis. Yes,
2: this was an open label study so we knew exactly what people were getting. So enzalutamide was one of the most common agents used as men did progress on that standard arm and there was no lack of access To other life-prolonging therapies for men on the control arm. So they actually accessed enzalutamide as well as abiraterone and docetaxel and other treatments more frequently than those on the enzalutamide arm.
1: Seems that what you're saying is it wasn't a crossover study that men weren't automatically to receive enzalutamide. That was a choice that clinicians had. Exactly right. So, what proportion ended up receiving enzalutamide? Out of, you know, interested to know what proportion received the other arm?
2: Yes don't know the <laughs> answer off the top of my head, and I should sort have of looked that up before this interview. Andrew, 40, I'll talk to you later about asking you another question. <laughs> Might have been off that 40%, order. 40%. Yeah. Yes, well done. I, uh, that was a test from me. You passed that. Well done.
1: So, where to from here for trials in the first line setting with hormone sensitive disease? Because clearly, looking at ADT alone, you would say that by itself is unsatisfactory now with the data that we've got and we have data to suggest that chemotherapy or these novel hormonal agents, what do you see in five years' time we'll be doing with our patients?
2: There will be new agents coming along and one agent of intense interest is something like the TCM PSMA, which was moving earlier in the disease course. We've got no idea where that's going to show. We may have By then, I hope some understanding about which patients might be able to respond to immunotherapy. That's not been brought into the equation yet. Probably the really outstanding question at the moment is what is going to be the optimal sequence for our patients? And I don't think any of us know the answer to that yet. I do think it's important, though, that men get the option to have access to all of these treatments that they are able to at some point during the disease course.
1: So running this trial is a substantial undertaking and for an organization like ANZUP, a pretty amazing effort um, given the size and complexity. So what do you know now about running trials that you didn't when you first started Enzymet? Going back to 2013.
2: Pretty much everything that I know now I didn't know when I started this, so it was a major learning curve all the way along. I've right. been very fortunate to be able to work with great organisations the NHMIC Clinical Trials Centre at the University of Sydney, Cancer Trials Ireland, Canadian Cancer Trials Group, Dana Farber Cancer Centre. These organisations have made this study an international success. We've also now learned that there's intense interest in these sorts of trials, and we've got now, a global collaboration that's able to contribute to future cancers in the gender urinary cancer space, future clinical trials. So, that's a great and somewhat unexpected outcome that we can use to improve outcomes for men and women affected by gender urinary cancers.
1: Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining me and discussing the Enzimet trial. Thanks very much, Andrew.
0: Talking urology at up proudly supported by Ipsen.